Uh, I thought I'd start with a quick story by way of explanation. Uh, Professor Fei Ling Wong is with us here today. Professor, why didn't see you? Welcome. Nice to see you. Uh, several years ago, Professor Wong took a trip to China where he was scooped up by security agents inside of China. He was held in a secret location for two weeks. Wong was interrogated and threatened. They wanted information about his research about China and his time teaching at my alma mater, West Point. He could tell you the stories better than I could, but they thought they could intimidate him or perhaps recruit him uh, because he's ethnically Chinese. It's a blessing he's here with us today and thankfully was released after pressure from the leadership lots of places, including this very university and the Carter Center. Uh, the lesson I think that we can take away from this is clear. It's that the Chinese Communist Party wants what we have and they will do whatever they must do to take it and get it. They will steal our stuff. They will pressure critics of the Chinese Communist Party to keep quiet. They will do whatever it takes. And it's important uh, to come and talk with the American people about this because Americans must know how the Chinese Communist Party is poisoning the well of our higher education institutions for its own ends and how those actions degrade our freedoms and American national security. If we don't educate ourselves, if we're not honest about what's taking place, we'll get schooled by Beijing. Now, it's taken this country and indeed the entire free world a long time to understand the trajectory that China is on today. In fact, we're not quite there yet everywhere in the world. There's no one to hold accountable for this. That's not the important part. Because for a long time, Republicans, Democrats, leaders all across academia, institutions, commercial space, uh, thought that by trading and engaging with China, that the Chinese Communist Party would reform itself. It would loosen up, it would embrace economic and political freedom, and it would present less risk to freedom around the world. But instead, that's not what we got. Instead, the Chinese Communists used the wealth that was created by this to tighten their grip on power, their grip on power over the Chinese people, and to build a high-tech, repressive state like the world has never seen. General Secretary Xi Jinping has made clear his intentions. You only have to listen to what he says. He says he wants total control at home and to make China the number one power abroad. And he's well on his way to working on that project. He's building up the People's Liberation Army. He's manipulating international organizations for Beijing's benefit. And he's engaging, as we have seen in TV only just these last two days, he's engaging in a vast influence campaign all across the world. And that may, for some of you sitting at home today, uh, seem like uh, a long ways away and very ambitious touch uh, for Xi Jinping to make. But I must say, he has his eye on each and every one of us. Over the past year, I've talked to America's governors in Washington about this, state legislators in Wisconsin, tech leaders in Silicon Valley, many other groups. I've gone out to talk to them about this challenge. And today, I want to talk about what's happening in schools across America, especially research institutions and places like where I'm standing today. <laughs> Just think about it. Chinese Communist Party scientists aren't pioneering cancer cures. We are. And it's not North Korean biochemists that are producing safe COVID vaccines. We are. 
And Iranians aren't ahead in supercomputing. No, in fact, we are. It is the free world and free peoples that produce these superior results. And we should be very proud of that fact. But we have an obligation to protect it, to preserve it, to make sure that that's the case 10 and 50 and 100 years from now. Because on places like this campus, scientists have pioneered quantum computing, artificial intelligence, pediatric technology, even autonomous robots that can function without human control. And I must say that frightens me just a bit. Um, look, the Chinese Communist Party knows it can never match our innovation. As state-owned enterprise, it's authoritarian regime. It is a government-centric focus. That's why it sends 400,000 students a year to the United States of America to study 400,000 students a year studying in our universities come from one country. It is no accident. Much of the high-end industrial base inside of China is based on stolen technology or technology purchased from other nations. It's not homegrown. Beijing doesn't want Chinese researchers to stay here in the United States. Indeed, after they're trained, they want them to come back. They want to induce their return for the singular purpose of serving the socialist motherland. Look, the party's propaganda apparatus cannot tolerate pesky Americans or Chinese nationals exposing its bankrupt system or the fact that the Chinese people can actually flourish when they are in free societies. It doesn't want you to know what I'm about to tell you. Now, let's be clear. I, I want to be sure that my language is precise today. When I say China, I'm talking about the Chinese Communist Party. I love and value, as we all do, our Chinese-American community and the Chinese people that live here in the United States and those that live in China as well. We want good things for them. And I, I say genuinely because as of cases like Xin Wang, a researcher at the University of California, San Francisco, who allegedly lied about being a People's Liberation Army officer, all the while collecting information on UCSF labs. The good news is the FBI nabbed him. And Xi Xiao Xiong studied electrical engineering at Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago. He tried to enlist in the United States Army. He allegedly admitted his ties to Chinese intelligence, which tasked him with recruiting engineers and scientists where he was working. These are just two examples. But what's more, the Chinese Communist Party deploys dollars just as much as it does cloaks and daggers to get its hands on valuable knowledge. There are many American scholars, often doing research funded by American taxpayers, that have been lured into the Chinese Communist Party's talent recruitment programs. The CCP pays them what is for them a fortune to do research related to their current fields for or in China, and then often uses the fruits of their brain power to build its military strength. A researcher from my home state of Kansas was caught up in this trap, as was the Harvard chemistry department head. Think about that. The director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, recently described the CCP strategy as Rob replicate, and replace. But I want to add another R to the DNI's list. I want to add repress. Yang Zhuping, a student from China, delivered a commencement address at the University of Maryland back in 2017, just a couple years back now. She praised the fresh air of free speech. She was soon demonized and harassed by CCP propaganda, propaganda outlets 
I promise you. Well, I cannot tell you everything. That was no coincidence. One University of Georgia student said of the CCP secret police in 2018, quote, they have harassed me repeatedly and asked me to give them information about the activities of overseas democracy activists and dissidents. And they are particularly interested in the activities of Uyghurs and Tibetans, end of quote. Some of the CCP's biggest victims on campuses are innocent Chinese nationals themselves. And this is a tragedy. We have a responsibility to police this. Another example at Princeton, just this year, students in a Chinese politics class were forced to use code names on their work, lest the CCP discover their identities and prosecute them for free expression of views on Hong Kong and the CCP under its draconian new national security law. That's right here. This happened right here in the United States of America. American students, American students talk about safe spaces as shelter from ideas they dislike. Chinese students need safe spaces to learn of the ideas that they love. What a stark contrast. Students from China at American universities also live in fear that their families back home will be arrested, will be interrogated, tortured or worse because of the things they say in an American classroom. But look, the CCP doesn't just time target Chinese nationals. They want to influence American students as well. Professors and administrators too. Look, they know that left-leaning college campuses are rife with anti-Americanism and present easy targets for their anti-American messaging. That's why they planted Confucius Institutes on our campuses. And under President Trump, our State Department has made very clear these Confucius Institutes are literally up to no good. Many have gone away. Many campuses have seen that, and they've chosen to close down these institutes. But right here in Georgia, Wesleyan College still has one in Macon. Look, it's why there are groups on campuses called Chinese Student Scholars Association here, too. They're directed and almost always funded by the Chinese embassy or a local Chinese consulate. Its purpose, to keep tabs on students and to press pro-Beijing causes. Now, you would think at freedom-loving places like Georgia Tech and institutions and scholars all across the world, administrators, school, school faculty would be more up in arms about the Chinese Communist Party's outright theft and flagrant violation of freedoms that I've described. But we see it too seldom. Well, why? Why do schools censor themselves? They often do it out of fear of offending China. Indeed, I must tell you that MIT was an interest in having me to their campus to give this exact set of remarks. President Raphael Reif implied that my arguments might insult their ethnic Chinese students and professors. But of course, nothing could be further from the truth. Those are the very people that this set of remarks is intended to protect, to protect their freedoms. And I must say that yielding to the ob objection of hurt feelings plays right in to the Chinese Communist Party's hands, they watch America closely. It's what the party says constantly in response to legitimate criticism around the world. You can see it. And how would the party know how the Chinese people feel anyway as no one ever gets to vote? Look, we, we can't let the CCP weaponize political correctness against American liberties. We have to protect and preserve them. 
fraudulent cries of racism or xenophobia should never drown out a candid exposure of the activities of the Chinese Communist Party. But we see too often on American campuses that there's silence and censorship. It's been driven by the Chinese Communist Party. It usually boils down to something far less idealistic. So many of our colleges are bought by Beijing. Let me tell you about Vera Zhou. She's a permanent resident of the United States of America. She's originally from China and a senior at the University of Washington. In October of 2017, so local authorities put her in a re-education camp. A re-education camp for five months and under house arrest for 18 months after using a virtual private network connection to connect to her school's website. Something many of you are doing even as I speak. Back here, we saw this. Our State Department team, Vera's mother, Bob Fu, a great friend of the Chinese people, desperately petitioned the University of Washington to advocate for her return. But the University of Washington, a woman named Sarah Castro, the head of the Federal Relations Office said, she said that the university wouldn't help because of a multi-million dollar deal with China. Now, thank God, Vera was eventually released and returned to the United States, but no thanks to the University of Washington and no thanks to the deal that it had made with the Chinese Communist Party. The U.S. Department of Education over the last years has found that schools have taken an estimated $1.3 billion from China since 2013. It's just what we know about. Like so many, like Columbia, so many schools that have failed to report the true amounts. What more? What more bad decisions will schools make because they are hooked on Chinese Communist Party cash? What professors will they be able to co-opt or to silence? What theft and espionage will they simply overlook? What business deals will get done as a result of that? Look, there's a lot of work to do, and I have laid out a pattern and practice that every American needs to know about. And we need to begin to respond to this sooner rather than later, and our administration has begun to do that, but there is an awful lot more work to do. We cannot allow this tyrannical regime to steal our stuff, to build their military might and brainwash our people, or buy off our institutions to help them cover up these activities. We cannot, we cannot let the CCP crush the academic freedom that has blessed our country and blessed us with great institutions like the place that I'm standing today. But we need your help. We need help of students. We need help of faculty. We need help of administrations all across America. We need trustees to police their endowments and the deals their universities are striking with the CCP and CCP-backed groups. We need administrators to close Confucius Institutes and investigate what so-called student groups backed by the CCP money are actually up to on their campuses. The government will help, but we need people to assist us. We need researchers to be vigilant against fraud and theft and the academic community to reject the CCP's financial siren songs. And we need students to truly stand for free speech, the free speech for themselves, those who grew up here in America, and especially the free speech of Chinese students who are on our campuses who are here to study and learn and to improve their rights, their lives, and to enjoy the fruits of the freedom that we provide them here in the United States of America. 
All right. So that's all I wanted you guys to hear where he's reinforcing. They're here to take our work, our hard work, use our free nation, use our resources, our people to benefit themselves. But let's just be devils. Let's just be straight. China was created by us. We created the CCP. We created them. They did not manifest on their own. The communist Chinese didn't take over China without help. We've been over this before. We created the CCP. This is why every single senator, congressperson, almost everybody and their mother, including the military-industrial complex, including the Europeans, know better. They would know better than to bite their own child. I mean, they created it. The World Trade Organization, World Food Organization, the United Nations. And again, I say, do they really believe that a culture like the Chinese, again, who have created a wall you can see from space while the, while the British were swinging from trees, right? The Chinese built the wall you can see from space. Do you really think you're going to get one up on them? Do you really think you can whip them into submission? They only bow because they want to. They do not get their hands dirty. See, it was easy for these, uh, you know, elitists of the past to weaponize religion in the early turn of the previous century. Oh, in previous century, not in previous century, the first century, right? They, they began to plot how they would weaponize religion. And though from that, from the historical Christian faith, they gave birth to tons of other faiths. Now, I know a lot of people who are Catholic get upset when I say it, but it's true. That's history. We hate the truth. People hate people who speak truth, but that's the way it is. The Catholic Church was created with a pope, and this is where Christianity split. That is real history. Real history, if you want to know. There were the historical Christians, what people now call Orthodox Christians, and they sat down and they decided these empires are out of control and we need to control the people. And since they believe in Christianity and people are flogging themselves in the name of Christ, so let's just use that. No wasted opportunity. And then the Orthodox Christians were like, yo, you can't do that. You can't say that some person is holy and just nominate them as a representative of God. And they were like, yeah, we can. And all our priests are not going to have sex or get married. But what do you mean? Priests are supposed to be just the vessel. They're sinners themselves. They're just supposed to be preaching the word. What are you doing? And the, and the Romans were like, we don't care what you say. We're going to weaponize it. And that's what happened. This is how the Church of England began. This is how everything happened. This is true. And a lot of people don't like to talk about this because they get uncomfortable because they're Catholic. But that is true. It is 100% true. 
See, this is history people don't want to talk about. So this is how they weaponized religion. And the Chinese never had religion. They had more of a spiritual sense. And so for them, Christianity, uh, Islam, you know, uh, even Buddhism, sometimes, well, I mean, Buddhism is more spiritual, but whatever religion has come to China has now been um, put in a box. And, you know, a lot of you have been sharing that DOD video. Oh, let's get rid of the God gene or how can we amplify it? Again, faith is core. And we do not, we as people, right, walk in faith, not in sight. So the truth has to be said that when the Roman Catholic Church was created. It was created to keep people in check. This is why the kings and the queens would be like, what does the Pope say? Pope says, chop his head off. What does the Pope say? Pope says, let's go to war. What does the Pope say? Pope says this. Does the Pope allow me to get a divorce? The Pope would be like, yeah, sure. I forgive you. You can get a divorce. This is how things are going. I want you to understand that history proves the future. And this is how it happened. I mean, you can, the internet is there. Ignorance is a choice. And you know, uh, uncomfortable truths of our history are so important that we confront them because this is the only way you wake up. Just like the uncomfortable truths that, you know, the crap going down in the Korean Peninsula is all our fault because we had Stalin, Roosevelt, and Churchill hanging out smoking cigars. And they're like, yo, let's split up Korea. Sure, let's do that. Uh, but Korea wasn't in the conversation. We didn't say, hey, Korea, by the way, we think it's a good idea if we split your whole peninsula in half. You know, we didn't do that. Right. We didn't do that. And we means Western civilization. Let's get that clear. Not just the United States. I guess we should call it the globalist civilization, the globalist elites. So, you know, while we praise leaders like Churchill and Roosevelt for great things they did, we have to be, you know, impartial to these things. This is where people lose the ability for impartiality to stare the truth in its face. You know, people get uncomfortable. Oh, you know, I'm Catholic. I don't like this. Yeah, you don't like it just because, you know, the way it spun out or whatever uh, started in the wrong way doesn't mean that your faith is any more wavered than anything, right? We can, uh, you know, accept or deny facts and that's denialism, right? And you know what? I'm just going to say, right? Most of the priests, you know, that we know, the Catholic priests, the little kids, it's probably because they're not allowed to have sex. I'm just saying, not trying to be funny, but when you're claiming that they're saints and they're supposed to be abstained for ev from everything, uh, you know, <laughs> that's what happens. Um, uh, you know, because in the end, we have to understand that your priests, your bishops, your cardinals, even your pope are actually just humans. They're not gods, and no matter how much prayer they have. I mean, you want to see people that pray all day? Go to Mount Athos in Greece, man, to those monks. All they do is mumble prayers under their breath. I kid you not. I kid you not. And they do the same thing at the Vatican. I've been to the Vatican. Fun story about the Vatican. <laughs> I wanted to go um, get in and and uh, tour and see the Pope and, uh, you know, just kind of hang out. This is uh, circa, I want to say, 
man. So it was between 2000 and 2003. So I can't be very specific. And um, I was there. I went shopping. It was July. That's when all the solidies are, right? And so I was um, at Piazza di Popolo, right up, you know, a short walk from the Vatican. And I was having a coffee and I was like, yep, I'm going to go. And when I went, apparently I needed a passport. So I had a hustle and go and get my passport to, to go in. And I got a stamp for entering the Vatican. <laughs> that was a fun story. Um, <laughs> and when I hustled in July, you know, totally ruined my hair with the humidity. But anyway, I digress. Uh, history tells us everything we need to know. And so what Pompeo was putting out were facts that we've allowed them to infiltrate. Yet, you know, it should have been more honest and straightforward to say, you know what? We created the CCP in 1945 when the nationalist Chinese were begging us for weapons. 80, I think it's the 83rd, damn it, 83rd Congress. Oh, I'm trying to remember. I'll find that document because I've saved it. And um, they actually authorized to give the Chinese tons of weapons, ships to fight the commies. Uh, but we embargoed them. And then, you know, we obviously decided that we're going to split the Korean Peninsula because we felt like it. You know, we, again, I'm referring globalists, elitists, uh, the men in black, the people that you never know about. But, you know, the front people were Churchill, Roosevelt and Stalin, where they sat down, smoked cigars and they were like, yeah, so we're just going to split it in two. And I, I, we did a whole show on this where I showed you there were these two no-name, you know, officers of the U.S. military that, that, that just picked at random. Okay, we're just going to split them right here. And South Korea is going to be owned by Japan. And North Korea is going to be owned by Russia. Remember, so China, China, China. While the world was swinging from trees, <laughs> they were building walls you can see from space. Yet for some reason, these elitists, these alien hum humanoid crazy people that have decided that they're going to be running us, uh, you know, on this planet, have decided <laughs> that um, they're smarter than them and that they're going to keep vagina in check. And they're not going to do anything. And then that's not the case. That is definitely not the case. China has infiltrated everything. China, 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 China. And that's the thing. They're in every single system we have. Computers, phones, routers, television. You know, for some reason, you know, there was a joke. Totally inappropriate joke, but I'm going to repeat it. It's, it's kind of, no, I'm not going to, ah, it's 12.0 time. You know what? Actually, let's play that. Um, okay. We're going to play the, the Jerky Boys um, prank call again, just to remember it. Um, just because there's, uh, there's been this um, tainting of our thoughts that, 
uh, you know, the Asian continent is leading in technology. And this has been going on for decades, right? But they're convincing you that everything made in Japan or China is way better than American made. See, this is how the psyop on the people, the demoralization of the United States of America has happened, right? That's what they do. Because I remember, you know, when I was younger, I would buy a Maui and Sun shirt and it would last for like five or six years. And then suddenly everything's made in China and it's like Maui and Sons, Walmart, same quality. You get what I'm saying? When everything was made in America, it was, it was good. It was incredible. And, you know, it's not real crappy appliance, you know, it, it was really well made. American made things are well made. And not only that, they're secure for us, for us. They're secure. Remember, China has 20% of the world's population within their borders. Okay. So they're going to churn stuff fast. And it's what quality over quantity, right? That we have in America. They're about quantity over quality. So let's uh let's take a hiatus after that heavy, strong you know, speech that Pompeo made that all of us should realize that we have been infiltrated in every single facet of our American ways, not only from our tangible consumable goods, but our education and our research and our advancements. They've stolen everything, but is it really stealing if they're only a subgroup of what we've created? That's the question we should always be thinking about. Thank you for calling Bernie. I need to talk to someone VCR. Help me program VCR. Okay, one minute, please. Oh, sorry, I'm help you. Yeah, I cannot program VCR. It's very difficult to have the blinking light on there. The blinking light. He's a VCR. He's plugged in. He's got a blinking light. He's blinking 12. Blinking 12? The clock. Okay. The clock is blinking. Okay. Hold on. The clock is blinking. Hold on. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. What's, pr what's the problem? I can't program VCR. He's a boy. I have pre VCR plugged in. He's a blinking, uh, the clock is blinking 12 all the time. Do you know what model number the VCR is? What's the guy you do? Why did you lie? What did you do? No, I don't know the VCR no, model number. I can't see it anywhere. Call back. Hello? How I get blinking light or stop on VTR, the clock keep blinking light. On the remote control, you have a program button. Program button? Yep. I press button. E clock is still blinking. Okay. No, 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 no. Is it hooked up to your TV? You hook up to the TV. It's a cable in the back. Okay. When you press the program, are you looking at it now as we're speaking? Yeah, it's watching on TV. It's your screen. Uh, are you, and you're looking at it right now? Yeah. So okay, on... good. Press the program button. What does it say? Program button. On the remote control. Pointed at the VCR. What does it say? Oh, it's a menu. Okay, good. Good. What does it say in the menu? Read it to me. It says a uh, shrimp sushi, a butterfly tempura, and a timber full of sake. <laughs> I press one. It's not breaking right. It keeps breaking the clock. I got to bring it meeting. Come on in a half hour. RCA means a really crappy appliance. Well, RCA makes a good appliance. You're not a good appliance. Listen to me, round eye. It's not working. You got to come over here and show me how to work it. Come over to your house and show you how to work it? I try to sell. I do what I do with this American piece of crap. I go, hey, now take it easy on the piece of crap.
Uh oh. Crocky's still brinking. Well, it's amazing after what you just did to it. I would recommend you stop beating on the machine. What's your name? I'm Larry. Larry? Yes. You caught on a phony phone to crank a call. <laughs> How sweet is that, huh? One of my favorites, crank a call. Um, but I wanted to showcase it because, yes, it's funny. Yes, it's it's true, right? But it actually is how they demoralize us because now subconsciously through the attacks, through the media and even jokesters, right? And movies and music, we've been trained to think that American made electronics are not as good as Chinese or Japanese or Korean. Um, so I, I wanted to showcase that to you so you understand it. I mean, this is hilarious. It's one of my favorite skits because of, you know, the accent, because of everything. But I wanted you to see it, you know, calling him a round eye. You know, that's really, you know, uh, that's something that, you know, Asian American, you know, they say it. Um, you know, the, all cultures have that stereotypical, mm, we're better than you. And you know what? The older the, the, the culture is, the, the more you know, they, they feel better. I mean, you know, about their culture, like I'm Greek. So I'm like, yeah, we invented everything, even though that's not really true. You know, give me a word and I'll tell you how it's Greek. Uh, I'm just saying. So, um, it's an insult, the, the, the words, but you know, nobody cares. It's like, you know, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody gets their feelings hurt. All that Fifi stuff is out the window. It's all about how it said, not what it said. So anyway, the joke was great. And it's one of the best skits ever that the jerky boys, for me, well, the chickadee china, the Chinese chicken was good too. But um, I wanted to showcase to you just how they've conditioned us to believe that, you know, uh, foreign made products are better than American. Right. And this is why our factories all went overseas. That was that was the point of me showcasing this to you again, not just so we can laugh, but so we can understand just how demoralization processes happen. Um, ooh, someone did an anagram for Kamala calling her <laughs> Malaka. That's really nice. Uh, so again, the media now you are able to see it, is conditioning you, one, to be scared of COVID, right? Two, to believe that they're the ultimate authority when it comes to telling you who wins and what happens. And nothing better to showcase that by um, showcasing how General Flynn is free and clear. Uh, why? So back in 2018, when I was with Red State, the owner of the station, Scott Adams, not the Dilbert guy, the other guy, uh, was like, you can't go on air saying that Flynn's not going to jail or not going to be sentenced because he is. And I was like, well, I'm a time traveler, so shut up. I already know he's not. And everybody, 
even in, you know, even your personas that are like, Oh, general Flynn's the best. They were all tweeting crap like that. They've deleted their tweets, of course, but somebody may have them who were like, Oh, too bad. You know, he's going to get like, whatever it's going to be. Uh, what did they say? Um, it's going to be, uh, with parole. He's not going to have to do time in jail, but he's getting sentenced because the sentencing date is coming. And my, my shows in November, 2018, were telling you, Nope, he's never going to be sentenced. I don't care what anybody says. Barr is not getting, you know, sworn in until later, maybe like February, even though it was announced November. And Flynn will not get sentenced because I'm a time traveler and I know this. So a lot of people didn't get it so much that they, my, um, a journalist that I like, you guys all know that, um, Chris Berg, he um, is on a Fox affiliate. Uh, he's a Fox affiliate in North Dakota. He had one of the most corrupt, corrupt uh, U.S. attorneys under Eric Holder on his show. And they were talking about General Flynn. And he was the one that, thank goodness, my question was in is like, hey, why didn't the FBI get the DNC server itself? Oh, because usually we could just image stuff. Imaging means I get to select what I want to give you. But anyway, and then he also said, and let me share this tweet, because all of you, if you're on Twitter, you should feel free to retweet it and ask him to hold his promise. Um, Let me get that. He had blocked me with my previous account. He was upset. Upset that I was calling him out. Hold on. Let me share this with you guys. This is like super funny. Okay. So this guy here, let's see. Let's see if you could see this. So I'm going to see if I can zoom in. Okay. So this is from 2018. And you know, I was talking with this journalist and I said, you know, General Flynn's not going to be sentenced. The case is going to be like dismissed at some point, but, you know, um, he's never going to be sentenced. So the case was dismissed yesterday. And this is the tweet. He said, if Mike Flynn's charges get dismissed, I will wear a MAGA hat on POV. If not, you include Purdon Nation in all your tweets for a month. Now, everybody should ask him to keep his word. I mean, he's supposed to be an honest U.S. attorney. He was the one that was bitching and saying, we have 700 former U.S. attorneys working really hard to help Judge Sullivan throw General Flynn in jail. He said it, not me, using his words, now mine. So this clown, Perdon, said that. So let's rejoice in how justice works. Slow, but surely, does work. Let's, um... Let's go to a one-minute clip of Lou Dobbs reacting uh, to the news that uh, General Flynn's case was dismissed. Breaking news now. Judge Emmett Sullivan has finally dismissed the uh, charges against uh, and the case against General Michael Flynn. The political persecution of President Trump's former national security advisor appears to be over. But he, uh, Judge Sullivan, uh, is not through. In his 43-page ruling, he included a reference uh, saying that Flynn's presidential pardon doesn't mean that he is innocent. That level of vitriol against a, a decorated um, 
military uh, man, uh, a, a general who served this country for decades uh, and a great American is outrageous. His defense attorney, Sidney Powell, said this, the case against General Flynn and Judge Sullivan's handling of it is a national embarrassment. We appreciate the president ending this travesty of justice. Hmm. So what does that tell you? So first of all, he was super salty. Oh, well, I'm dismissing the case, but I just want you to know that doesn't mean he's not guilty. And just because he got this doesn't mean he's not guilty. So here is the Fox News take on it um, of General Flynn's case uh, being dismissed. Um, I want you guys to listen to the words, okay? Just listen to the words. A federal judge, meantime, has dismissed the criminal case against former Trump administration National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. But Judge Emmett Sullivan pointedly noted Flynn's pardon from President Trump does not mean that he is innocent. The president tweeted congratulations to Flynn, saying he and his family had suffered greatly. Let's get some additional perspective on these legal fights. Jonathan Turley is a professor at George Washington University Law School and a Fox News contributor. Jonathan, good evening. Um, let me start with the Pennsylvania decision by Justice Alito. He turns it over to the full Supreme Court. No noted dissents, and they do not move forward. There's no injunctive relief there. Uh, is that a big blow for the president's chances? It is a big blow. You know, we've talked in the past about how the president was running out of runway, and at this point, uh, to really make a difference, he'd have to land a jumbo jet on a postage stamp. I mean, he does not have a lot of runway left. Uh, this was considered his strongest case for the Supreme Court. And the court system has proven that it is independent in reviewing these, these claims. Many of these are Trump appointees who are voting against the position of the president, not because they have animus, but because they don't see the legal case, particularly in terms of the relief of blocking certification. There is this sticker shock that kicks in for these courts saying, look, there are problems that you've identified. There have been illegal orders in other cases. Uh, there have been votes that have been negated, but they're asking for a really massive form of relief, which is blocking certification. Now, at the same time, it'd be nice if some Democratic senators um, actually apologized to people like Barrett and others. You know, during her hearing, they put out these conspiracy theories that she was being put on the court to kill the ACA or steal the election. None of that seems to be true, obviously. You say he's running out of runway, and just look at the Electoral College timeline here. Today was the deadline to resolve disputes, actually. Uh, December 14th, the electors vote in the states. December 23rd, the states certify, deliver the votes. January 6th, the House and Senate joint session, count the votes, declare officially uh, the winner. There is this other case that John mentioned uh, out of the Texas Attorney General filing uh, to the Supreme Court directly. Uh, it, court watchers are looking at how this particular Pennsylvania case was dealt with 40 minutes after the filings came in. Does that suggest right. that they're just not in the mood to take care of anything else like this? I'm afraid that Texas case falls in that category of that dog won't hunt. I mean, I don't see how that's going to be successful, particularly after this loss. And yes, the timing was notable. This The ink was hardly dry on the filing uh, when the court came back and basically ended this issue. 
Uh, so I think that it does not look very promising. Last few days, we've also noticed the Trump campaign and President Trump himself are talking more about going to the legislatures. You'll notice on his list of people that could change this, the first justice was number three. Uh, he talked about a legislator or legislatures. And that's a straight muscle play. That's an effort to try to get legislatures to say, we don't want the certification of these votes to go for Biden. That is also not likely to succeed, but it does show a shift away from the court. Finally, uh, Judge Emmett Sullivan wrapping up this criminal case against Michael Flynn. Um, he was pardoned by President Trump, but notable that Judge Sullivan had this detail in this final filing. Uh, about how he's not, he doesn't have to be innocent. Just talk for a minute about the how he's handled, the judge has handled this entire thing. Well, you know, I've practiced in front of Judge Sullivan for years. I've had great respect for him, but I've been very critical of his handling of the Flynn case. Um, you know, he has been criticized for years of using General Flynn as a vehicle for criticizing the Trump administration, refusing to dismiss the case. The prosecutors came in and said, we no longer want to charge Michael Flynn. We no longer believe a charge is appropriate. And the Justice Department filed for a dismissal. Judge Sullivan refused. Court of, Appellate, Court of Appeals judges in the first panel criticized him and ordered him to dismiss the case. That was later reversed because they wanted to give the judge a chance to issue a final order. But even then, he would not dismiss the case. And when the pardon came down, he still held on to the case. And now he has finally dismissed it. But in doing so, I think that it was really grossly inappropriate for him to essentially declare a verdict of a person who wasn't even sentenced. That's what this was. And, you know, judges usually don't even address the guilt of a defendant until sentencing. They certainly avoid that when you're having a dismissal of a case. They don't talk about guilt or innocence because the defendant doesn't have a right to appeal. Why those does types he have of gratuitous comments. And that's what this was. It was gratuitous and it was wrong for the court. It was wrong. He shouldn't have a bench. You should send him packing. You should take his retirement and all his stock portfolios hand them over to General Flynn. That's what I would do. I mean, that would be decent, wouldn't it? Now, today's show, but okay, so tomorrow I will be doing a show, but it won't be um, on my regular time because I'll be on TV somewhere else. Um, so, so I just wanted to say that. And you'll know more about it when it's closer to that time. Um, so I just wanted to say that. But today, what I'm going to do is tell you that um, the people that are actually organizing the Stop the Steal are, you know, we all know women for Trump are incredible, right? And they feel the same love for our nation that the president does. And I have to say that Amy Kremer has completely outdone herself and her team. Um, you know, I was uh, yesterday meeting with a lot of people. I met some incredible people. I got to touch base with some um, really nice people, um, people I can't talk about, and then people that you would think are good, but they're not, you know, and, you know, 
Just saying. And I ran into people that, you know, you wouldn't think you'd run into. So anyway, hope that says enough, even though it doesn't say much. Um, I can tell you that this event is going to be very secure uh, for the time that the event runs. Uh, it is going to be globally televised. Um, it is going to, so if you're around the area, I would totally say, you know, this could be like an inauguration event, like so incredible. Um, I know that Antifa, BLM, Sunrise, Shutdown DC now revamped as Take Back DC or, you know, Reclaim DC or whatever have put out feelers to bring all their disruption groups in. While the event is going on, it will be very secure. So, and you know, I don't like to put people in predicaments and I would never, you know, say anything of that. But um, I think it's going to be incredible. And the women for Trump, I mean, come on. You know, when I see the left talking about, look at us with all these women, we're doing so much. It's like we're breaking glass ceilings. Dude, you know what? People, women within the Trump administration and the Trump campaign are like, what ceilings? You still see ceilings. We don't see anything. Those isms are so 1999. So um, I wanted to mention that. And today in the second half, right after I play a song that we played with the Russian chicks, <laughs> people were like, no, they were pretty good. You know, the misfits in the in the yard, right? Um, I found another cover so I can play it for you guys. Um, so we're going to get on an intermission. Uh, right now, uh, it's three minutes. I got the Veronica's singing it. Um, and then I'm going to show you exactly what the show is like and how we're getting sucked into it. And I want you guys to be able to stand back on the moon and take a look because that's where I'm at. Sometimes I have to admit, because I'm in the forest. All I could see is trees. It's when I zoom up and I look down that I'm like, oh, why was I stressing? You'll understand. So um, here we are going to play that same song that we played a while back. And um, it's from ladies breaking non-existent glass ceilings. We're not going to take it. No, we ain't gonna take it Look at women singing songs like that all round up and stuff, right? Okay, so <laughs> enough of the isms. So let's get to the pudding, right? I've been here um, on the radio giving you the news you need to know, and I've neglected my global listeners uh, because we're kind of in a um, suspended mode. Uh, there are a lot of things happening within the United Kingdom, uh, you know, mass vaccination rollouts uh, throughout Europe, uh, throughout Australia, New Zealand, the Asian continent, African continent. I mean, Nigeria is up in arms. Uh, you know, there's so much going on. And I promise you, um, once this is taken care of, 
things will make sense to the rest of the world as well. Uh, there are a lot of things going on. And looking forward right now for most of you is not going to be easy uh, to be able to uh, see. You need to look back. So I had mentioned and I filed it in numerous um, letters and uh, filings and even my affidavit that um, our elections have been tainted for decades. And so this will rectify itself pretty quickly. Uh, quickly in the respects that it is the biggest magic trick ever. And like uh, a tweet that I um, put out that Flotus had tweeted out back in 2012. Um, hold on. Let me get it for you up on the screen. You may understand just how long this has been going on. Uh, I've been saying it, but obviously it's like, who are you? And it's like, where are your credentials? Uh, nobody cares about credentials. I don't do titles and tiaras ever. You know, I'm not going to sit there. Usually I can't even tell people anything. Like, give me, my resume is one of the thinnest resumes ever. <laughs> thinnest. It's like one, two jobs. Well, I guess, you know, if I wanted to the second job, I could just put a list of freaking companies, but it's just the same thing, stuff. So on 6-22-12, our um, first lady, who looks so great in her shoes, um, tweeted this out. And one might say, well, maybe it was like really stormy. Well, I believe that the biggest storm to hit the United States is the people. Uh, so how does that work? I'm going to take you into, into my little TARDIS right now and take you back in time. I want to see if I can get this up, though. I'll say Alexis, we're still in. Okay. So this is something that I've talked about for a while. Um, I just want to make sure I can get this on here perfectly for you. All right. Are you ready for this? Now, here's where I'm going to show you the three-card Monty. Magicians usually don't show their tricks, uh, but it's not my trick. It's theirs. So, neener, neener, here we go. As you've seen from January of 2020, when they failed to get their fake impeachment because the Constitution didn't let them do it, they decided that they were going to take back the presidency no matter what. And there's one part of it that I'm not going to tell you about because that's the game changer. That is the game changer. But slowly, the president has been warning, yo, they're going to steal the elections. Yo, they're going to do this. Think about it. I want you to think about it from a far away distance. How insane does it look? Like they are telling you out in the open, we're stealing the elections. They are telling you that they're going to organize all this. They are telling you just how they're going to do it. 
They are telling you everything, right? Everything. They're telling you everything. And it's almost like Borat when he sat there going, you're never going to get this, never, right? So all these people, uh, you know, they were covering up windows so you can't see something. And it's like, why are you hiding something if it's totally normal? Why won't you let us look if it's totally normal? Why are you crushing machines if it's totally normal? Why are you shredding things if it's totally normal? Why won't we check signatures if it's totally normal, right? If, it, if you've got nothing to hide, why all of these shenanigans? This is why. Because they wanted us to follow that trail. They're just like, it's like that guy in the commercial. Is it a State Farm commercial where he's holding a, a fishing line with a dollar? And he's like, ooh, you almost got it. Ooh, you almost got it. And the chick keeps trying to grab it. Everyone is marching in the direction and they're penning our focus there. Right there. Straight ahead. Straight ahead. They are following and taking orders to go directly there, directly. Zoom in. So why? Well, if by any chance, I'm not showing anything on my screen. I'll just put a thing so people know. If by any chance, right, that somehow the people are able to be louder than the media and use these blatant discrepancies, they say, and when, then what they're going to do is use their fail-safe plan, which very smart people have found and have been putting that forward and will be testifying to that soon. So we have all of these cases thrown out. You should have come in. You should have, you should have filed case before stuff happened. Crazy stuff. But it's all a freaking show. Think about it. We're marching right into it. It's like they're taunting us. Come here. Look at us. Look. Nope. Can't see. Just going to put a piece of paper here. Ooh, what? Yeah, we're kicking all of you out. What? M machines. We're just going to crush them. What? We're going to burn them. What? We're going to pull routers out. What? We're going to give you the machines after we've been in there and we've updated them so you can't see it. Oh, we're going to be having suitcases on video and we're going to taunt you like no other. And it's going to be like, nee, 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 just to show you our power. Now, if you do win, we've got a secret weapon. And I'll tell you what the secret weapon will do. Let's say by any chance that we take uh, over the narrative and take the megaphone out of the hands, which we already have. Nobody, I think CNN, NBC, and all those channels are now considered comedy, okay? Let's just be straight. Say we do overcome it. Here's what will happen. And I'll tell you, if this weapon was not brought forward, and this is why it's pertinent that it was brought forward, what was going to happen is the president of the United States would have been inaugurated, right, in, in January. And um, two days later, three days later, they'll file for impeachment on the grounds of President Trump rigged the elections. You would be like, that's nuts. He just fought it. Yeah but they've actually got proof that it's his fault. I kid you not. It's his administration's fault. I kid you not. I kid you not. And that should be coming forward soon. So it was lying in wait. And there would be no way because the constitution would totally give it to them. They would totally be able to impeach him 
fair and square because it's, it's, it's documented. And you're going to be like, what? He didn't do anything. That's the key, that he didn't do anything. So you take something that was intended for evil and you throw it right back at them like a freaking boomerang. Such a big boomerang that it busts you up like Mitch McConnell, shout out to say, Mitch McCain, right? That you sit there and you don't know what hit you. Because it came from the most unknown, unexpected corner of the United States saying, there's no way they did this. So it's all going to be coming out. So they have something that's a backup plan. They will be impeaching President Trump if we win on the premise of their blatant shenanigans, blatant shenanigans. You can see they're luring you into it. You can see, but mm, see the weapon. See, when you find a booby trap, you can weaponize a booby trap and not only weaponize it, but activate other weapons too, because you know, it's a trap. You use that trap to your advantage. You will understand this better on Friday, right? On Friday, you will understand this way better, way better. But I'm just telling you, whatever you hear today should be taken with a grain of salt because as of tomorrow and specifically Friday, you'll understand it. Because here's their plan, that they would have used this trap that has been found against the president to impeach him and they would impeach him. It would be, the constitution would support it. There is no shenanigan. It would be open shut. And right after that, they, the Democrats would be calling the insurrection act. I'm telling you this. And this is where the bloodbath would happen. You know, the, the conservatives would rise, the right wing will rise, and there will be a bloodbath. That is the 37% chance timeline if this boomerang isn't tossed in the face. Now, I can tell you it's taken, what is it today, ninth? Um, shoot. So over 20 days. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. It took 17 days to get it on paper, to get that booby trap on paper. And it was put on paper. And so by using this booby trap, you've just unleashed the answer that circumvents their plan without even using all the, you're never going to get this Borat shenanigans. I want you to look I want you now, when you see CNN and all of them talking about this, I want you to think, damn, they're honey trapping us. They're like, look, look what we did. Look what we did. Oh, look what we did. And you're going to see it. You can see it. Tell me you can see it. Tell me that you can see that they are luring you in. But, but, but we found it. And that's what matters. Because like you heard Patrick Burns say, there are less than a dozen people, well, it's less than 10, but more than five, that are pumping everything. Now, don't get me wrong. This trap, 
pretty much takes things that all of you have been talking about and weaponizes them against the fourth unelected branch of government. Now, um, there's like this um, TV show. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Which one is it where they're like police officers and they're working on stuff and then they hire like this super bad hacker, but they still have nannies of FBI watching the super guy hacker. Do you guys remember that? So, I mean, there's no one better to find traps than someone that knew the trap layers. And so I'm going to introduce you to someone that not a lot of people know about that I had the privy of, um, let's just say he was hired and it wasn't by the guy he said was hired. I did tell you that the hanging chads was a setup, right? I told you that. I told you the hanging chads were a setup. I also told you that for two decades, you haven't voted ever, except for 2016, because there was some unforeseeable circumstance for um, J.O.B.'s cronies to hop in and augment the algorithm with little scripts. So President Trump won. So (laughs) because that little physical hindrance occurred, um, we now have the best captain in this ship, this ship of the United States of America that, you know, kind of is reminiscent of the Titanic right now, right? Because rather than people unifying, rather than people looking back to see where it all started, they want to make a new and get themselves positioned for a job. So here is where I'm going to let you in on, um, I'm going to tweet this out too. I'm going to let you in on some guy, all right, who I knew. Well, I did tweet out what McCain had said to me. Um, Brennan was there. Hayden was there. Where I asked a simple question. Well, people aren't really voting. <laughs> Maris, don't be dumb. Can't have people selecting their leaders. That would be chaos. They don't know what's good for them. So here, I'm taking you back to 1999. Well, actually, 2000, uh, where you know some guy wanted to be president and tried to posture, and so he hired someone. And this um, Yang 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 Chinese, right? Oh my gosh, how is that even possible? Take a listen to this. Okay, can you? There we go. I'll say elections were stolen. In fact, you I will. Think I did. You think the election was stolen? Absolutely. Your credentials. Uh, I'm a programmer. I worked for NASA, worked for ExxonMobil, worked for um, Florida Department of Transportation. And it is so set up so that you can steal it. Yeah. I mean, it would be crazy not to. Mr. Curtis, are there programs that can be used to secretly fix elections? Yes. How do you know that would be the case? Because in October of 2000, I wrote a prototype for President Congressman Tom Feeney at the company I worked for in Oviedo, Florida, that did just that. And when you say did just that, it would rig an election? 
It was flip the vote fifty one forty nine. If you saw that George W. Bush in fact did not win Ohio and that John Kerry actually won Ohio, how would you feel about that? I would feel sick. I think you're six months late. In the states that had electronic voting, the numbers didn't match at all with the exit polling. I wanted to recommend a book to you. It's called Our Madhouse by Greg Palast. Yeah, he's the top investigative journalist in America. I've already read it. And he says you won the 2004 election. There's also voting machines, electronic voting machines in Volusia County, Florida, that counted backwards. So amidst all these reports of voting, voting stuff going on, how could you concede the election? Called Yang Enterprises, and in in the September, early October of 2000, I was introduced to a guy named Tom Feeney, the future Speaker of the House of Florida. He wanted a program that could flip the votes without anyone seeing it. So you walk up, you vote for Bush, but the guy could walk up here, and if he hits the right buttons, he can flip the vote that easy. So I took you back in time. Took you back in time to show you what I've known for two decades. Took you back in time to show you what I've known for two decades. Well, I know a lot more than just this. This is what is public. There's a lot more. So the question is, you know, uh, first of all, I just want to say that the software that this guy created back in 2000 under President Bush, but he changed it to Tom Feeney, right? You saw that slip. Um and it was for President Bush, because if any of you think it's the Democrats that are stealing your voice, the Democrats are just helping the establishment Republicans. Remember that. Four years they've sat on their ass. Four years they've done nothing. Four years their hands have been tied. Four years they've called no one to Congress, the Senate, and we've had control of the Senate and they've done fuck all. So again, who is the one that's trying to steal your vote? I know this sucks because we vote straight Republican because we need our president. But who is the, the dirtiest ones? The Democrats, you could see them coming. you got to be dumb. You've got to be not only deaf, blind, and mute, but you have to live in another reality to not see that the Democrats are coming at you. They're out there. They're in the open. They just wave their hands in the air like they just don't care. Cocaine Mitch has got a lot to answer. He sounds like Mitch McCain. Because once McCain was out, we needed to find a new Don to give uh, those uh, orders. So, if it's been two decades, someone will be like, well, why didn't you say something earlier? Who am I going to say it to? <laughs> tell me. Who would I tell? Let me guess. CNN? Hold, let me guess. Because I did tell. I did. I did. In 2005, when I saw something else that was like, yo, this is like totally messed up. I totally told. Right? And I spoke with both Republicans and Democrats. And I showcased the guy that I spoke to. So again, it had to be this way. It had to be so blatant that your mind is blown. You're just like, oh my gosh, like this is totally fair. Like Democrats can't even say, we totally won fair and square. They can't even say it with a straight face, okay? They can't. They're so dumb that they're sitting there talking. You saw Kamala's face, pursed lips and everything. 
why did you just say that, Joe, out loud on camera? My gosh, who programmed this? Look, it had to be this way because in reality, we walk in faith, not sight. And so if you have no faith that things will work out, if you're not resonating on that frequency and all you do is put out poison, vitriol, anger. Oh my gosh, I feel so defeated. Look, it's so blatant. Exactly. It's so freaking blatant. Like it's so blatant. It's a joke. Do you think they can get away with that? No, that's where you stand up and say, shut up. That's not happening on my watch. Okay. You have to stay true North. Didn't I say it? Your North star, your inner North star. We've talked about that. That's your gut. That is your gut. So all of this has been going on for a very, very long time, but now it's come up. And the reason it's come up now is because the time is now. It couldn't have been done earlier. I mean, for me, it could have been popped in 2018, but I digress. Uh, you know, our president is only human and he had like the worst people ever around him forever. Forever and ever. Ever, 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 ever. So here we are at the precipice. That's where we're at now. I mean, look at all this stuff coming out. Look at this. Look at Swallowell, right? Swallowell has some explaining to do. And his office is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't you get it? Chinese people are smart, right? Because even though we created them and they knew that their time would be up soon, right? Because they'll be like, oh, we need to infiltrate. We're not going to attack people. We need to infiltrate. That's all we have to do for every single Republican, Democrat, elected official person in the CIA, FBI, NSA, you name it. There's a Chinese man on it. And, you know, the Chinese were all up in my computer the last time I was in D.C. Really bad Chinese. Super bad Chinese. Very, very bad Chinese. Like, you know, what are they called? Like the, the triad bad Chinese. Super bad. These people are pissed because now what they were promised is not happening and they're not up to par to fight because if president Trump makes it clear, that means the Europeans and the Africans wake up and then it's game over. And this is a Fox News alert, a blockbuster story happening on Capitol Hill this morning. Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell, who sits on the House Intel Committee, reportedly has ties to a Chinese spy, that alleged agent apparently trying to influence American politicians. And now Republican lawmakers are demanding answers. Good morning, everyone. I'm Sandra Smith. Yeah, this is fascinating. Sandra, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Trace Gallagher. That report coming from Axios. Swalwell now pushing back, saying the story was released to hurt him because of his constant criticism of President Trump. But Tucker Carlson says it shows the top Democrat is compromised. Eric Swalwell, who has used his office to promote Beijing's talking points, almost word for word, ones that matter, by the way, a man who admits to a close personal relationship with an actual Chinese spy who helped him get elected to Congress, raised money for him, 
and put an intern, probably another spy, in his office. That man continues to serve on the House Intelligence Committee, where he has unrestricted access to classified information. How is this happening? For more on this, let's bring in former Utah Congressman Jason Chaffetz. Congressman, good to see you this morning. Uh, thanks for coming on. I, I want to get morning. your take on what you make of this, because the Access Report says this woman, Christine Fang, also known as Fang Fang, didn't pass along any classified information. But the report goes on to specify this, and I'm quoting here, private but unclassified information about government officials, such as their habits preferences, scheduled, social networks, and even rumors about them is a form of political intelligence. Collecting such information is a key part of what foreign intelligence agencies do. What do you make of all this? It's a very serious story. He sits on the, the Select Committee on Intelligence, uh, as Tucker Carlson pointed out, unfettered access to some of our most highly classified documents. And it really does beg the question, first of all, what did they know? What, when did they know it? Obviously, our counterintelligence people are not going to know all the interactions that happened. This intern that was supposedly placed in his office also creates further compromise. I want to know exactly what Speaker Pelosi knew. She gets to, she and she alone is the person that appoints people to that select committee. Why did they have to have him in that committee when they know that he has potentially been compromised? Um, all of these questions are still swirling around. And Trace, Representative Swalwell has not denied the fact that this actually did happen. No, there's been no denials. He did, of course, blame the president. We'll get that to a minute. But I want to play this from House Minority Speaker Kevin McCarthy, because he's saying that, in essence, Congressman, this is the tip of the iceberg. Watch. The tip of the iceberg. This congressman now gets on the Intel Committee. They are only selected from the Intel Committee by the leaders of their party, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is one of the Gang of Eight, along with myself. Did Nancy Pelosi know this had transpired when she put him on the committee? So the question is not only who did they know or what did they know and when did they know it, but who else knew about this? Congressman McCarthy is absolutely right because uh, he is quoted, uh, Representative Swalwell is quoted as saying that his leadership did know. Now, certainly, if they're giving a defensive briefing to a member of Congress, they're also going to give that to the leader of their party, the person that selects this person, the person who is in the Gang of Eight the one and only Nancy Pelosi. And so why, and the other question is, why did he even get on this committee first in the first place? He doesn't have a deep intelligence or military type of background. He was very young when he, when he was elected to Congress and then put immediately onto this committee. And why? why, why do all these things happen? And why does he continue to sit on this committee? When this comes to light, she should get rid of him. There's no way he should be on this, on this committee any, any longer. There's also, also the intimation, uh, Jason, about the fact that, you know, China's bigger intent here and, and why this is kind of coming out of California, the Bay Area in specific, because of the powerful leaders that have come out of there. We're talking about Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein. Uh, we've got Kamala Harris. And you point to things like the liberal policies. Is there a connection to be made there and maybe a 30,000 foot level of China's bigger intent going forward? 
the, the pervasiveness of the Chinese attempt to spy on Americans, whether they be uh, for intellectual property in our private companies or into the military, our scientific community, and certainly into government officials, it is pervasive. They, there, are, there are so many people, and I've been briefed on some of this, so I gotta be careful, but there are so many people that are out there in a counterintelligence type of operation trying to focus to steal America's best, but when we know about one, we've got to make sure that we bottle that up, put it aside and make sure that it doesn't happen anymore. And there's an ongoing, I think, systemic vulnerability that Nancy Pelosi's putting us in that doesn't need to be there. We talked about this at the beginning of the segment, how, you know, there's been no denials so far of the Axios report. But of course, yeah. they're kind of pushing the blame around here. Uh, Congressman Swalwell said the following here about President Trump, quoting here, I've been a critic of the president. I've spoken out against him. I was on both committees that worked to impeach him. The timing feels like that should be looked at. In other words, you know, the president could be behind this whole report. Uh, that is classic deflection. Uh, what comes out in the Axios article, and they should uh, hats off to them, is that they've been working on this story since at least 2019. This has been percolating for a long time. It's to, to just pop up and, and printed within 48 hours, more than a year of investigation. I think the lack of denial speaks volumes to try to deflect and say it's Donald Trump's fault. It's classic Swalwell, but nobody's buying it. Jason Kavitz, good to see you. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, good to see you Thank finally. You. So we saw him <laughs> and he told us everything. I can tell you that every single person you see talking nice about President Trump, every person you see, I'm going to tell you this, you may not like what I'm going to tell you, is really not for President Trump. Like I said, if we can infiltrate, well, proven infiltration, to those Zoom calls. <laughs> and like I said, I was listening to all the calls that Schiff was having back in 2019. I was even listening to them talking at the Munich conference in 2019, talking about Biden, Yovanovitch, I got you dead to rights. Heard everything, everything. But the thing is, I only heard. I didn't uh, download that information. I didn't leave any footprint out, even though I legally accessed all that information and it was housed overseas, I heard everything. I'm telling you, every single one of these media outlets will be unable to come back from this. <laughs> we'll be unable. And any of you subscribing to them and any of you, uh, you know, thinking that, <sighs> oh, I want to say it so bad, but it's not time. I will, I have my fingers ready and I'll get a really nice manicure too when I start pointing, but it's not the time, is it? It's not. In the end, God wins and they hate that because they believe, well, they know our trap. So they're going to go right into it and fight it because they think they have the tool. Nah, man, we're not. No one is. We have a genius in the White House surrounded by tons and tons of snakes. And Chris actually did a really good show that I'm going to share with you. Talk about defeating those compromised by communist China. That, that was the title of it on Newsmax. Um, I really liked it. I mean, I would have said more, but, you know, it's... 
it is what it is. You know, I've been throwing phones, flipping my desk while I was, I'd be talking and, ah, but he so eloquently uh, puts it together. Take a listen. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Chris Salcedo Show here on Newsmax TV. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to get a little bumpy tonight. The center of the political universe is focused on Georgia. Congressman Jody Heiss will join me a mere moments from the Peach State. It's been quiet out west in Arizona. We'll get the latest on the voting integrity out there and the fallout from the draconian lockdown measures surrounding the China virus when we speak to Congressman Andy Biggs. And if the state legislatures are going to choose electors and ignore the irregular vote totals that we've been presented, how can that be accomplished? Dr. John Eastman is back to explore that possibility. But first, I want to explore something else, the angst, the anguish and fear that have gripped the country as we've been confronted with turning over this nation to socialists. In emails and phone calls, many of you have expressed on purely instinctual levels deep concern over your children and grandchildren's future if it's in the hands, this country's in the hands of anti-Americans like Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, AOC, Ilhan Omar, and their enablers in the biased press. Maybe you've been picking up on something that I couldn't quite put my finger on until today. Something that explains why the president and committed members of the GOP have been working so diligently to reveal the actual outcome of the election. Defeating those compromised by communist China. That's the focus in tonight's preamble. In the preamble last week, I said this. Chris Alcedo show has repeatedly pointed out the deafening silence of the socialist Democrats in our government over China's role in the killing of over 275,000 Americans, allegedly from that virus. Conservatives have been outraged that our nation and the world has had to endure this unnecessary pandemic. Equally infuriating has been the socialist Democrats and their unfair allies in the biased press. Liberals both in and out of the press have remained silent, ambivalent, or worse, supportive of the inhuman communist government of China. Many of us have asked why. Some in America's government may have been compromised by communist China. Mm. I, like you, have been horrified that some in our society, in government, and in the press have ignored China's theft of our intellectual property, the cheating on our trade deals and the death and destruction wrought by their intentional release of the China virus into the world. One such cheerleader for America's enemy is Morning Joe's Brzezinski on MSNBS. Uh, so the, I think the first thing to do is you, you look at the real challenge on, on the global stage and that challenge is China. It, it, we are, once again, we've moved into a, a bipolar world, much like Truman faced with, with the Soviet Union and the United States. But the best way to address that is first um, rebuild your alliances uh, and then work together with your allies in the best approach towards China. And there's really no need, while China's arrival, there's no need to make China our enemy. Mm -hmm. Not to put too fine a point on this, Joe Brzezinski, but China already considers us an enemy. We don't need to make them so. We can choose to fight them, or surrender to them. We appear to know where Joe and his pals at NBC stand. But more troubling than the traitorous folks in the media is what our so-called elected leaders have been up to, coddling China and then bashing Donald Trump. 
Consider this CBS interview featuring the director of national intelligence, Sean Ratcliffe. You wrote a piece for the Wall Street Journal and you say China is targeting members of Congress with six times the frequency of Russia and 12 times the frequency of Iran. What is behind Beijing's aggressive approach? So they want laws and policies out of the United States that are favorable to China. And what they're really trying to do is through blackmail, through bribery, through overt and covert influence, trying to make sure that only laws that are favorable to China are passed. Have you been to Capitol Hill and have you briefed this threat information to lawmakers? I was so troubled by what I saw from the position as the director of national intelligence that I went and briefed both the House and Senate intelligence committees on this information, which they found surprising and troubling. Hmm. Yeah, surprising and troubling. Again, we on this show have been talking about China's betrayal against the world and the United States for years. But realizing that American members of Congress are complicit with selling out our children's future to the bleak specter of communist control, well, that's new. I'm gratified that other smart folks who love this country are looking into this as well. Last night, Tucker Carlson pointed to a video that has now been taken down in China featuring a cocky Chinese professor, a puppet of Beijing, who all but admitted that China had compromised our government in an effort to do the communist will, not the will of the American people. This led Tucker to conclude that the Trump-Russia collusion hoax was merely a smokescreen to divert attention away from the real betrayal, America's politicians colluding with communist China. Tucker also concluded this. Donald Trump has complained about Hunter Biden and his ties to the Chinese government. So now you know why you weren't allowed to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop, why big business aligned as one the tech companies and the rest to suppress that story. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are now getting a clearer picture why Americans and even the president himself were prohibited from speaking about Mr. Biden's and the Democrats' socialist ties to foreign countries. We've already been through this. I think the American people would rather hear about more substantial so subjects. Well, you know, as the moderator, sir, I'm going to make a, know, a judgment call here. Three and a half million okay, dollars right. from the Let's mayor about, of Moscow. Let's that talk about the truth. That report is totally discredited. Mitt Romney on that committee said it wasn't worth taxpayers' yep. money. That report it was written for political reasons. You know, I'd like to talk about climate change. So would I. Okay. <laughs> yes, I, I'm sure Mr. Wallace wanted to talk about climate change, a mechanism by which the West voluntarily surrenders its economic prowess to China, a country that doesn't conform in any way on climate change. A house divided against itself cannot stand. That biblical passage uttered by President Abraham Lincoln is as true today as it has ever been. It applies to America. It applies to America's government and even Fox News Channel. Lincoln went on to say, I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. Now, there are those of us fighting to remain free and those fighting to deliver us into bondage. Conservatives versus liberals, most Republicans against Socialist Democrats, Tucker Carlson versus Chris Wallace. And in my mind, that is what is at issue today. There are elements in our government, in our nation, and in our media that are committed to delivering us and our children into the murderous slavery of communism at the hands of a despotic enemy, China. Now you're getting a clearer picture as to why so many in the know and at least 74 million American voters are trying to prevent its happening. 
You just watched Newsmax TV, America's fastest yep. growing cable news channel now in more than 70 million homes. You can get Newsmax. I'm surprised that they let them get into homes. So that was a really interesting little clip right there, wasn't it? So what does this tell you? I mean, I, I, I retweeted the video and um, it's in Telegram for those of you in the Telegram group. Um, you know, these are, this is publicly available information. I didn't give anything that could get me in trouble. But think about it. 20 years. 20 years of fixed elections except for 2016 when, you know, just something happened and they just pff, didn't work. You know, <laughs> it doesn't work when you don't have power or internet access, does it? So the question is, where's Feeney? Because this guy created the original, um, the original software that was then obviously updated. I mean, you buy a computer, right? And you have to update it pretty quick, right? So obviously software was updated and put together. So we had to get rid of these crappy machines down in Florida. And so who did we sell them to? Cuba and Venezuela. So they've got the OG software. And that OG software has the makings of what we have today. So this is just a trip down memory lane for me and a history lesson for many that the truth is out there if you actually look. And everybody always tells you who they are. Always. Now, before we end today's um, show, I wanted to um, talk about the Texas lawsuit. Sean Hannity um, talked about it. I want you guys to just understand what the Texas AG is doing. And you know, I would expect the Texas AG to do something. Why? Because he has great minds that are living in Texas that have been following election fraud for a long time. That group ASOG that I was telling you about, um, they've been dealing with this and the Thomas More Society has for a very long time, trying to tackle it from all ends. Uh, I'm sure all of you that have been watching the hearings have been following Colonel Waldron, who's just incredible in um, speaking of the tech uh, correctly as an expert witness. Uh, he's just done an incredible job trying to educate not the state legislators, right, but you, because they're deaf. They don't care. They're just there. So um, Phil Klein has been working tirelessly. He's a really good man. Um, and ASOG have been working tirelessly too. And there are people like no sleep, guys, like really late nights, really early mornings uh, because um, it's really hard to throw out knowledge and information to people that don't have the receptors for it, right? Um, it brings a shock to the system. And it's important that uh, while these hearings are going and they're in the public sphere, that everybody listen to them and pay attention to what is being said. Uh, for those of you that have been listening uh, to the Tory Says Show, you're obviously ready for it. You've been primed for two years for this. Mm, it's like your gut is like, that of a hot dog contest eater, you know, where they could just, have you ever seen these people? I actually ran across a video last night. I was like, D 
damn, because your stomach is like the size of your fist. And he had a lot of hot dogs. Like that was crazy. So you've been primed like a food eating contest person. You can stomach it. You can take it and you can run with it. So just listen to what the president tells you. Listen to the hearing so you understand. And remember, this was their plan to attract us that way so that we focus there. They make it so blatant that you're like, oh, it's so blatant. Like, there's no way we will lose. Like, because it's super blatant. And then they make it even more blatant. And then they rub it in your face. And it's like, come on, man. Are you serious? Like, why are we falling for this? But it's not. It's all a show. Now is the Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. First of all, look, I've got I've got it all right here. Highlighted all of it. Uh, read it cover to cover. Well done. Um, I really, first of all, why you decided to engage in this? Uh, tell us the law and the constitutional principles that are at stake here. First of all, you did a fantastic job describing our lawsuit. It's really important to my state that my voters be represented. And if other states don't follow the Constitution, and if their state legislature isn't responsible for overseeing their elections, and we have other people who are not under the Constitution, under the Constitution supposed to be doing this, it affects my state. And so our job is to make sure that the Constitution is followed and that every vote counts. And in this case, I'm not sure that every vote was counted, not in the right way. Let's go to the heart of this. Now, number one, let, let's start at the beginning. Article three of the Constitution lists a very small number of categories of cases that the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction. In other words, this does not have to start at a lo lower court. Explain that in the context of now uh, their response to your suit earlier tonight. So it's really important point that you're bringing up. In a state-on-state -state suit, our only place to go is the U.S. Supreme Court. We can't be heard anywhere else. Other lawsuits start at a district court level, and they have a right to be heard at least once, whether they have a good case or a bad case. So our request is we want to be heard. The only place we can go is the U.S. Supreme Court. And so we're pleading with the U.S. Supreme Court, please hear our case. Give us a chance at least to argue what we think is right. We want to argue the Constitution. Okay, now the Supreme Court has opined in the past that it may decline to accept the case, but you know, as we watched all of this unfold today, um, look, uh, we, we had a, a, a different possible outcome today. And that is, you know, we were waiting today to see if the court would, would or would not hear the case. And now we have a briefing schedule, correct? No, that's a, that's a good sign. I really appreciate that the court has asked the other states to respond so we have a chance hopefully after they respond to 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 go to the court and make our arguments on both sides and at least let the uh, supreme court make a decision on what is the law in this case uh, a question that they've never answered as it relates to the the facts that we're presenting this is the point now this is where you go into very specific detail about article two of the constitution and how they violated what we call the electors clause uh, when executive or judicial officials and states change the rules of elections or governing elections. That is constitutionally as clear and unambiguous as anything in the constitution that there is one body that has that constitutional authority and that would be the state legislatures. 
Sean, you make a really important point here. It is the responsibility of state legislatures, per the Constitution, to set the, the rules for election of electors. And in this case, those were overridden in the four states we're talking about, were overridden by other officials, whether they were judges or other governmental officials. And that's not the way our Constitution works. And that's the challenge we have in front of the court. Can this be overridden by uh, people who are not responsible under the Constitution for doing this? Mr. Attorney General, can you explain how the electors clause in Georgia, Michigan, PA, and Wisconsin were violated? Yeah, so in, in almost all those cases that we have, we have states that, that allowed mail-in ballots in cases they were not supposed to. They allowed for non-signature verification, which is really important. So when you, when you request a mail-in ballot, you have to sign for that, for that application. And then they'll verify when you send your ballot in on a sleeve of the ballot, usually they'll verify that signature to ensure that those two signatures match. Well, if you just waive those requirements, you have no way to go back and verify that the person that requested the application is the person voting. That's a pretty important thing. When in Pennsylvania, you go from 233,000 uh, mail-in ballots four years ago to 2.5 million, and the difference in the election was only 81,000. That's a very important issue to, to ignore. What's fascinating about this suit is at no point do you even have to go to the area of proving fraud, which I think was proven in a lot of these states, that's separate and apart, and, and those cases run independently in a lot of the states we're talking about. But let's talk about the second constitutional violation that you point out in your suit. And, and actually, you rely on the landmark, landmark case of Bush v. Gore, where the Supreme Court held that violated the Equal Protection Clause in the 14th Amendment, and that when one Florida county treated ballots one way, that was, you know, chad, swinging, hanging, perforated, pimpled, and dimpled. Uh, and they did it differently from county to county, and voters had the constitutional right to have all ballots in the state of Florida treated equally county to county. Uh, explain how that comes into play in this suit. Well, I think that explains the wisdom of the Constitution requiring that a, a statewide body uh, of legislators make the rules instead of allowing county by county distinctions that are different where people are treated differently in different states. And I think that was part of the genius of what the founders put in place is making sure that everybody in the state was at least treated the same. In this case, in all four states, we have county by county distinctions that treated voters differently. And we therefore have unreliable results. And that's a problem. You also talk about remedy in the lawsuit and you're asking the Supreme Court to remand the appointment of electors in these four states back to the state legislators. And there's even the McPherson-Blacker case of 1892 that I would argue probably was precedent setting in this regard as well. Uh, am I right about that? No, you're absolutely right. And this is, was, was traditional in our country. It was, it was not uncommon for legislative bodies to elect their electors. So we're saying, hey, look, the, the, the results here, we can't go back and let the, put the genie back in the bottle because we don't know how to match up signatures anymore because they, the, they were separated from the ballot. Since we can't go back and do that, we want to go back to the legislature and let them make a decision since they were elected by the people of those states. All right, Mr. Attorney General, fascinating. It's gonna be an, an interesting week to watch uh, and hope they have the courage. Thank you, sir. It will be a very interesting thing to watch, very interesting week. So, um, Last year, we were talking about the 12 days of Christmas. So uh, today is the second day of Christmas. 
Mm, and I'm going to put that on the screen. And we already got the first uh, Christmas gift. So what's today's gift? What is today's gift? That's the question you should ask yourself. What is today's gift to us on the second day of Christmas? What was it? Wait, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. So I guess that's Flynn's dismissal. So what's on the second day of Christmas? On the second day of Christmas, we're going to have to make up 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, okay? So two turtle doves. Turtle, okay, and doves. Let's see what happens today. That's what's up. I mean, some stuff is happening. A lot of people are hearing a lot of things that are happening. So I'm just saying. I, You know what? I need to get like a big picture video thing of someone painting their nails so I can put on my videos. I, I think that's one of my favorite um, emojis to use, the nails. So on that note, guys, um, tomorrow I will be doing a show. I think Millie is going to be doing one too. But tomorrow I will be doing a show. It just won't be at the normal time. Um, and I want you guys to be really excited. I mean, it's almost Christmas. Um, I, I still have ornaments to put up and, um, maybe, maybe, you know, <laughs> they'll fly on there or something. Oh my gosh. From a distance was 400 miles away, whatever. It's just a guesstimation on that note. I want to leave you guys with a nice, um, Christmas song. Um, cause we deserve a little bit of. Christmas, because it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas, regardless of how down they make you feel, regardless of how much you think that they're winning, because it's so blatant and it seems like no one's doing anything. Trust that there are very good people working really, really hard. And there's tons of people working really, really hard for this. And a lot of people that love their country and love America and love what we stand for and rebuke the communist ways. And again, like I said, um, seems to be that it's going to be a great event. I saw that um, the uh, March for Trump, the Women for Trump, sent, Amy Kramer sent out an email to anyone who's donated to the Women for Trump um, that said that RSBN is not allowed to live stream uh, their events anymore. So the March for Trump event that's going to be global, that's going to be massive, has been restricted on YouTube. Let's get that 2.30 done. Let's hurry it up. Or let's get that new blockchain, private, public, American internet where no company can tell us what we can or cannot watch. Get going. God bless everyone. See you tomorrow at some time but at the same places.